I'm Angelique Roche, and this is Marvel's Voices. I really actually don't know where to start with our next guest on Marvel's Voices, mainly because there are so many places to start with a career that has spanned over 20 years, issues that are in the 70s and 80s in number, over 22 titles across various different publishing houses. Aletha Martinez is just a beast when it comes to inking, penciling, illustration, and the work that she has done across the board within the realm of comic books. This Eisner Award-winning illustrator who started in 1999 at Marvel has become well-known for her work on Iron Man, her work on World of Wakanda, her work on Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur, currently her work on Fearless, and just all the other incredible stuff that she's done. And it's just... It was an honor to have her here on Marvel's Voices to talk about not just her journey as an artist, but to talk about the importance of storytelling, the importance of women of color being part of all aspects of comic book creation, as well as really her process and her journey as a first-generation American and what it took to come all the way from Florida to New York, particularly in uh, a field where not a lot of women we're embarking on being comic book illustrators. Thank I'm glad you for having me. Oh, of course. Um, Getting me out of my lair. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I actually think that's quite appropriate. We were ta- we were just talking um, a, a few minutes ago about the fact that you are one of the hardest working illustrator, penciler, anchor, world builder. I that we've had in chair like sitting there and going okay what does 20 years look like and then you open up comiXology not even going to like a, a store or talking about what people have physical copies of like the Josephine Baker uh, mini that you did yeah, which that was, was fun beautiful I got to color that. Um, <laughs> like all those other pieces that you've done the fill-ins that you've done versus your creator owned projects being the it's almost 80 issues just digital that are accessible on Comixology, let alone what hasn't been digitized yet, All right? Because you've been you've been working since the late 90s, since before digital was really a, uh, what it's become. Just say it. I've been working at this since they were letting the animals off the ark. <laughs> I, yes. No. It's true. I saw Noah. Were, were, were the issues <laughs> two by two? They were on stone at that point, quite frankly. <laughs> What was the thing that sparked you and was like, this is what I want to do? Because clearly you, you're you still doing it. Yes. And unfortunately, it's like you climb a mountain and then you look and there's a higher mountain behind it. And you're like, OK, let's keep going. We can keep this up. Like this month alone, I have three books in print, Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur, Fearless and Omni all at the same time. But no one ever seems to really notice that. You're just always constantly in print. That's in- so. That's incredible. That's what? 20, 40, 60, almost over 60 pages. Yeah, well, with the um, Fearless, I only did a, like three pages out of that one. Mm-hmm. So that wasn't like so bad. Three pages pencil, yeah. then you have to go back and ink it. So it's evolved. Before, I was just a pure penciler. So all I did was the gray lines underneath. Then somebody else came along and they did the ink. But lo and behold, someone decided you could do the ink too. It's fun, right? <laughs> It's like, yeah, I like doing the ink anyway, because, you know, I just stop with the pencil and put blue and then just go over the top of that so I can work faster. And then they decided you can do the scanning, too. You know, you've also seen 
the industry shift. You know, yeah, I was uh, right there when it changed over to more digital and you're more working at home. And now you're not just, you know, the bullpen wasn't responsible for scanning in the work anymore. You're doing that at home. So wow. now when you're hired, it, it's elementary that someone is going to tell you DPR, give you a template to lock your work into. Whereas before you just brought all the boards into the office and then the magic happened behind the scenes. No, you're doing the magic at home after you've drawn, after you've put in your 10, 12, 18 hours, you're sitting now at the computer for a length of time, trying to clean the pages up as best you can, trying to, you know, get them in the templates where they belong and making sure they get onto the servers, make the JPEG so that the editor can see it and say, okay, that's good enough. And then you can get to upload them. Wow. How many hours does this look like on 22 pages? 22. Well, Again, like I try to do two to three pages a day. That's two to three pages of pencil and ink. So both are done by the end of that day. That is wow. difficult. Now, if you pile in a lot of backgrounds or a lot of detail, it's going to slow me. So I'll slow yeah. down. But I cannot afford to do just one single page a day and maintain a schedule with two full books. Yeah. So now I'm happy to have dropped down to one book for a while. But still, you know, that's the goal, just to be able to do one book and do it really well and make it really, really super pretty, like all the House of X stuff. Oh, my God. I'm so oh, jealous. So gorgeous. The jealousy is great. OK, so I so we have to, like, take a step back. How did did you always know this is what you wanted to do? Oh, yeah. Since I was a kid, I wanted to tell a story. Now, there's a process there coming from an immigrant family. We they don't go out and spend money on art. They're not going to go out and spend money on something called a comic book. In fact, I didn't know what a comic book was until I returned to the United States and lived in Florida. And all of a sudden there's this Robotech and Transor Z and Voltron. They're on TV. And I'm like, this is incredible. Can you read this stuff? It's like, no, but you can keep watching it. But you can read this, this X-Men book. I'm like, well, where do I get this book? Well, you walk two miles in the hot sun past the alligator that's sunning itself with his mouth open. If I you mean, don't that, see him. The hey. alligator just, he's just trying to get a tan. Well, yeah, but if you don't see him there, you're not allowed to take the shortcut. So you've got to walk longer. Then you go to 7-Eleven, buy this wonderful comic book, bring it home. Off the spinner rack. Yes, you read it, and then your grandmother will destroy it promptly. Oh. Yes, because oh. they didn't bring, they didn't come to this country. They didn't bring you back here so that you can waste your time doing something like that. You have to be a doctor, an, a lawyer, or an electrical engineer. So comic books were something closeted for me. But I always had this thing inside. I wanted to tell a story. I wanted to tell my story. I still haven't reached my goal. I have yet to tell one of my own stories and have it published. So I have a lot more work to do. It's like 20 yeah. years. I was like, ah, it's probably going to take another 20 years. Hopefully it won't be like Moses and die within sight of the promised land. <laughs> yeah, please don't let that happen. But we'll see. We'll see. But yeah, always want to tell stories. And where's your family from? Um, my mother's from Honduras. My father's from Curacao. Wow. Yeah, they were not having it. What was your, so was your first comic book an X-Men comic book? Uh, yes, it was. Um, I had two first. I had Hirobi that I got from a flea market. And then I had um, What If Phoenix Had Not Died. I bought that What If book. And I'm like, look at this. This is great. Who's Phoenix? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, oh, there are 12 other comic books I need to go read to get this story. Great. Yes, I, I didn't even bother. I just went in and started with the X-Men. I think Jim Lee or people was just coming in and starting to draw. Actually, when it shifted to Jim. So 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 talk to, <laughs> so talk to me because every because every artist has a style, right? Because mm-hmm. um, it's so funny because I've I've sat down with Chris Anka and it's if you meet Chris, 
and you and and I'm about to call Chris out. Uh, love you, Chris. Uh, he has a way that his tattoos are all lined up in a very neat order. But if you talk to him, it's because he doesn't like clutter. And his room when he was a kid only had magazine posts on oh. the walls, but not a lot of clutter. And so when he draws and they're like, hey, I need you to make this room messy. It is the most painful thing for him <laughs> because he's like, I don't understand mess. Why? So in, in your style and the stuff that you really like to do, like what are the certain aspects that you you feel like are your happy place when it comes to illustrating and doing your work? I think my happy pace comes from being able to do multiple styles. Mm -hmm. I'm not set in any style, so I like a challenge. It's hard, and you cry, and you go lay down for a while before you start a book. Like I would say, Moon Girl was so different that inking with that brush, that heavier style that I'm not used to. I have a much more delicate line normally, and I just like little little lines that are more fine than that, not so heavy-handed. But it was the challenge of doing it and making it look like it should look. So with every book, I read it decide what it should look like and then execute a new variation of my style for it. So nothing looks the same. Even in my own creator own work, nothing looks the same. The more complicated, the better. Like I love drawing these characters and their bodies are covered in tattoos. Oh my God. Yeah. And it's so beautiful. Like, like it's such, um, people don't necessarily get it right all of the time. It always looks like the tattoo isn't part of the skin, but you have such a way of like making it so seamless. It's incredible. Well, I learned don't draw it on the character. Do it. Yeah, I, I tried it on two posters and I realized this is going to kill me because there's a lot of characters in this book, in this world. Oh, draw them like flash art, like the whole tattoo out and then use Photoshop to warp it onto their bodies properly. So it's not just one sided tattoo. You're actually looking at a, a piece of a much larger image. Wow. That's actually really cool. That's I mean, so and and I was actually again it's like I was commenting on this because you you did an interview with a friend of mine and you were talking about this concept that you just mentioned of the different inking styles and how sometimes you'll be working on three projects and you're like oh I don't want to work on this ink style right now I'm gonna I want to go ink like this right now for you as an artist what is the thought process when you're like okay so this is the inking style that I'm gonna use on this because. Well, when I'm world building, I read that script first and it will tell me what it needs. If it needs something very clean and technical or mm -hmm. if it needs something more gritty and just getting in there and just drawing unbeautiful characters, that's like the best. Because when you're drawing things like X-Men, everyone's a supermodel and everyone has to be perfect. That's like your most perfect. To me, Spider-Man, he's also extremely perfect. He's got to be. He has a lot of, yeah. he has, he's like a 14 pack. Like I was going to say he yep. has a, a lot of packs, but it's about 14 yeah, and it's all dynamic, and that's like when you're bringing your A game. But it's less about being super creative at that point, but sticking to what is what is expected for that character. When you're coming in a new world like Omni, you're able to build from scratch, and you're going, you know what this character needs? This character needs a little bit more reality-based. So when you get to world build, that's entirely different than coming in on something that's a set character. Saladin had mentioned that you did uh, a guest on Miles Morales, and was mm -hmm. a number Miles, Miles Morales, Morales number yeah. seven? Just to have your addition to that book, um, Miles has taken off this year. Yeah, he, and it's intimidating. Things like that, when I first get them, I don't like, because it's like, okay, you've got to bring that real A game. You can't play around. You've got, it is what people expect, and the fans will look at you like, yep, you messed up. Burn her <laughs> in effigy right now. 
So it's different to ink something like that. What does it look like, particularly when you're guesting? So you're kind of like jumping onto this because um, Javier Garon has been doing a lot of the work, who's also a phenomenal artist. Um, but what does that process look like? Because you don't have the whole story then. You're just doing part of it, right? Yeah. You get the full script, but they tell you which part you're going to do. Mm-hmm. But reading through the script, I would have never guessed that he was that brand new to writing comics. Because usually when someone's transitioning over, they're writing a whole novel and a lot of information you don't need. Where his script was very seamless. Very A comic book should be just a description of that one snapshot so you can draw it not like and then they did this and had a latte then they started to fight and then they decided during the middle of the fight that they were tired so they wiped their brow all in one panel yeah i've seen scripts like that then you go lay down (laughs) and come back and decide what you're going to draw later everything's a process well and i think i think the interesting thing in and saladin um i mean it, it is a man who learned how to read on comic books so it makes perfect sense um that that would be the case so, but Miles and, and Lunella are very different. Oh, yeah. Completely. All of them are different. I don't see any overlap between people's characters, truly, because I guess it's maybe my style shifting. They're just totally different. And please, Lunella, you look at her and you go, oh, this book is simple. This is cute. No. It is not simple. It's no. extremely complicated. She has a very large dinosaur yeah. and she creates lots of things that have big words that I don't know. And it's different when you're drawing her because she's so tiny when she's like four feet and this dinosaur is 50 foot. You're yeah. trying to put them in the same space. So you're saying, how are they going to occupy this same space and she not be super, super tiny and he not be super, super large? So you're really learning more about spatial dynamics, that, that whole going into perspective and really trying to fit them into the same frame, same space without doing that thing, what I like to call the Superman effect. Anytime Superman enters a room, the room gets bigger around him or a large male character. Many of them enter a room. Notice they don't crowd the room. The room seems to expand to fit them all. So uh-huh. imagine if they entered this space, they would, we would be crowded. We'd be happily crowded. I'm saying, I mean, I would love for Moon know, Girl, right? Devil Dinosaur to be in this interview. That but would imagine, be great. They're in this space, but this room is expanding to suit them. You can't do that. You have to try to keep this space contained. And that's often can be difficult. So with that, you know, I look at a lot of it like we know math best. This is the math we know best. We're born knowing it. So if your math is wrong, you're going to be able to tell instantly if I've made a mistake. Because that's all this perspective, all this stuff that looks wonky to our eye, things we don't get right. That's just mathematics, perspective, Mm -hmm. basic, you know, little skill on top of that and a whole lot of luck that you get it done on time. Yeah. And (laughs) hopefully it looks good. I don't think that's anyone's worry um, on this side. So what is, what does your desk look like? Like what is the process? What is for those out there who may be aspiring artists? Like how do you, your preferred, like we digital, are we all physical? Like how does this work for you in your process right now? Are there different ways that you do different books? I'm all traditional I scan in stuff, I'll clean stuff up, I'll make files much like an um, animator would work. So if there's a re- repetitive background, something that's really big or forests or trees, something that, you know, will add detail to the work, I'll spend like a day or two painting a whole forest scene and then using little sections of it in the work. So I'll draw an entire city out and then you'll use little sections. And then guess what? You could use that in another book and another book because it's your file. So I learned that from animators to make your work go by faster and also make it look more detailed. 
But yeah, everything I do is by hand. To me, the tablets, they feel too slick. The surface is too slick for me. And believe me, I do not want a file being lost forever. I have heard that. I don't know why people are going backwards with that kind of thing. And I lost this on Procreate and it's just gone. I'm like, sucks to be you. I have it right here on paper. Why did you go on an iPad? No, no, it's not safe. To me, that's just not safe enough because again, computer files can just poof, vanish, and then that's all that work gone. I'm like, no. Does your son read your comic books? Of course not. What? He grew what up in that? it. He grew up in it. So He's, he doesn't read mom's comic books? No, he does not. He does. In fact, he doesn't even tell people I'm a comic book artist. Okay. No, I don't, I don't know if I, I don't know if I, Michael, I need you to, no, no, my, no. Well, you can understand coming from his perspective. He's a, he's in high school now. He's this is eleventh grade. He wants people to be his friend because they're his friend, not be not because, because of her his mom's mother. The the yeah. really cool lady who makes the really cool comic books. Although I do go in and make sure they can't bully him, and I pass out the business cards and let the teachers know I am watching you. <laughs> I come in with the attitude like, "What do you have to offer me?" Because I we don't have to be here. So that's the only time I pull the diva thing is to get something for my child. I need them to treat him well at school. I need them to make sure they can always communicate with me. So, yeah, in that sense, I'll go, yes, what can you do for me? Because I don't have to be here. But other than that, yeah. So he does not read, the, he does not <laughs> no. read comic books. He, he likes comics, though. He doesn't read my comic books. That's it. Mm-hmm. I think he's like sneaking. I think he's sneaking around and reading your comic books. I'm, I'm going to have faith. I'm going to have faith. They're really like just on digital issues on his phone. <laughs> I'm just going to have the faith that this happens. Um, but that's but that's pretty incredible. Like he's basically been here for half of more than half of this journey with you. Yes. Um, and that's pretty amazing, you know, just to kind of think about having that, you know, I mean, basically, you don't have to have a kid at heart. You are a kid at heart, and you have a kid who has a heart. It's, it's pretty <laughs> to keep amazing. alive <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> on comic book money. You're like, oh my god, and that's like really scary because I'm always working, yeah. and you're working at home. But I, I tell him I'm invisible. So whatever you need, when mom sits at the desk, I'm invisible. I'm not here. That doesn't stop them. Not at all. I wish it did. Even now, he's big. He's, he'll just walk up. Ma, ma, mama. I'm invisible. Oh, but five seconds, you can, you know, turn that off for a second. So you're always doing this battle between doing the mom thing, doing the cleaning the house, getting the work done. It's like there's not enough hours in a day. So how many hours a day are we, we talking about for two to three pages? I sleep. I'll tell you how many hours I sleep. And sleeping means that I'm done. I'm stopping. So on like when it's bad, when I've got to like push to like four pages, like I had a push of five. That was like crazy. You're sleeping two hours or not at all. Normally, I sleep about four hours a day. Okay. That's amazing. So we get up. Mike goes to school. Mm -hmm. You sit down and you just go. Yep. All day. Then I'll stop. I'll cook dinner. And then I will tell him, Michael, wake me up. I usually don't even get that four hours in one shot. He'll wake me up after two hours. And then he'll see if I'm... I said, is the engine running yet? And I'm like, not quite yet. And get that other hour in. But yeah, then I'll work all night and then make sure I get him up for school, do the whole thing again in a day, make sure he eats and then up all night again. So you got to really love it. Like it's it is the core. And is there any other type of projects that you feel like you'd like to add? Like, you know, are there other things that you like to work on children's books or, or anything else like you have up your sleeve? Well, actually, I do. There are somehow I find the time 
I don't know how I find this time, but I find it. So I also teach at SVA, the School of Visual Arts here. I teach one course only because that's all the time in my day. But I can, you know, I, I teach drawing one and drawing two. And also I work with the U.S. State Department speaker program. So they send me all, all over the world to talk to people about comics, especially in underprivileged areas or areas that haven't heard about that. So little kids who are like me sitting in a classroom in Curacao, sketching down the side of your book and your teachers hitting your hand for doing that can understand that, hey, this is a job. It is a profession. I can do I don't have to be in that closet. Yeah, that's pretty amazing. Is there anything like any experience you've had just kind of on the State Department side that you feel has kind of like stuck out to you? The Every trip sticks out to me. It's when that kid, that one kid comes up and they're like, I'm from where you're from. I'm from Honduras or I'm here. And look at what I, I want to draw too. And they show you their work and you realize you came from the other side of the world or some place far away and you managed to tell them and they can see that you look like me. And you're doing this because there is a perception that you we all know that there's only one type of comic book artist. And I wouldn't know <laughs> what you mean at all. Oh, by no, that. No. At, no. No, but I do. I do. <laughs> I do think there is a there is a big deal, um, particularly just on the substantial amount of work you've done. I mean, it does not escape that Lunella Lafayette looks like my niece. And I have gotten her signed posters and she has every single volume because she loves doing science experiments. And I'm like, man, I don't necessarily like goo in my hair, but if it's going to make her do something and she can see herself in that character, um, it makes such a difference. So I, I can't even imagine being eight, nine, 10, 11 years old and seeing someone who's creating the thing that I think is the coolest thing ever created a comic book and you're the woman who drew it. Like, I don't know. Like that's, it changes lives. Well, I, I can see that it's a sense of relief, especially in people who have drawn a long time. You can practically see the exhale because you always have that worry that you can't, and especially hearing you can't. I've heard no a million times that's all I ever hear. Anything I mentioned, if I want to put the Christmas tree in a different spot in the house, I hear no. So everything is a no. But to take that, most people take that no and that's where they stop. It's like, I didn't stop with that no. It's like, that's a suggestion. Thank you. And I will do, I will keep going. And that's very difficult to say you're going to do because imagine what that's like, Mia, coming up here to New York by myself, not knowing anything about comics, trying to go to the School of Visual Arts. But at that time, it was a toxic environment. I'm the only girl in the class and they're telling me why no comic book company would invest in me. So I had to drop out of the school, go back to practicing on my own, getting this done on my own, figuring it out on my own, getting the courage to put together a portfolio, not knowing what's necessary in a portfolio, and then walking up to somebody and showing it to them and hearing, you don't draw like a girl. I'm like, oh, okay, so you're feeling that fight. And then Later on, like a few years ago, someone told me I'm the first woman of color to draw flagship titles for both companies. That's like, are you kidding me? There's no one before. So everyone heard no or backed away or everyone heard no. They just couldn't fight that. It's hard to say you're going to fight that because honestly, you don't know if you're going to make it. You don't know if you're going to be able to feed yourself. And sometimes it is dangerous being 20, 21, 22 years old in a city alone 
trying to do something in a male dominated industry that no one else has ever done. That's no one's done. So there is, there's literally <laughs> no, you are a trailblazer because there is no trail to have the courage to be able to take a step back and say, I'm not going to get the support here. I'm going to go do this anyway, because this is what I want to do. I can't even imagine teaching myself how to draw comics. Like it, you have to love it. You have to want to do it. It has to be that thing that you just want to do. Yeah, I think that's what people don't understand. It's, it's to me, I don't know if I love it as much as I did when I was 10. I don't know if I loved it when I was 10. But what I did have was a forward drive. I knew. So it's different than loving something to me. Something I love is something I feel. This is not something I feel. It's something that's a part of me. When I sleep at night, I dream about it. When I wake up, I'm thinking about it. It's something, you know, everything else in my life goes on around it, unfortunately. So that means I have no life. And people say, oh, you mean you don't go there? No, I don't. And I don't want to. This is all I want. So imagine it's not it's not about love. Love comes and goes to me. Love is optional. Believe me, I've been married. It's optional. But this is something, it's, it's deeper than that. And it's something I'm passionate about. It's, it's like me. This is all I am. And I'm willing to like, let this go just this way. If I die at my desk, that's a life well spent. Second to breathing. Yeah, sort of. I wish I was better at it, though. <laughs> I mean, you, I, in, we are always our hardest critic. Um, I, have, I have stared at your work a lot. Like I literally, and when I say stare, I mean, there are a lot of times that I will be reading a comic book. And I always know, like, my brain will go, I have to sit down with this. Like, I have to sit down with this artist. There is a uniqueness, even when you are doing a certain style to your work, um, that now makes a lot more sense. Hearing you talk about the fact that this is just part. Like, I don't think a day would make sense if you didn't draw. No, and it's and I write more than I draw, but they're all the same thing to me. They're, it's not you know, separate. It's like, this is together. It's just part of that creative process. Sometimes things want to be drawn and sometimes things want to be written, mm -hmm. but no matter what, I can't let a day go by. And, you know, you sit down, people say, oh, you go on. No, my vacation would be not being on a deadline, but still drawing something, still writing something, still moving that creative needle a little bit more forward, doing something. But, you know, when I say, oh, they go to Hawaii and relax. I want to go to Hawaii and relax, too, with my pencils and papers. And, I was going to say, yeah. with, with actual drawing utensils. With drawing, I, I always travel with my full studio. So the other thing, and I kind of want to go back to the teaching part, because that's, that's a specific love in it as well. Um, it's being able to take it from being second to breathing and being a thing that you just do and then being able to, like, analyze it down and synthesize it down to hand it to someone else. So if there was an artist out there right now who's clinging to everything that you're saying, like what would be top five or less things that you would tell them if they wanted to, to do what you do? I say this all the time, and there's really only three things to know that you have to draw every day. You have to draw whether you're sick or well, and you have to plan to draw to the end. I say this because you draw every day because we'll build your stamina. You need a lot of stamina for this business. It's not a joke. It's not just like, oh, the fame, you get to go to conventions and show all these pretty pictures and it's wonderful. No, it's a lot of alone time and having to work by yourself. So you need that stamina. Build it by drawing every day. 
You want to draw whether you feel good or whether you feel bad, because again, it's commercial art. I can't have a day, but I don't feel like it. Get my into myself. No, it doesn't work like that. This is a business, and it's a business for sharks, 1% club. So you have to have that dedication to your craft. So you have to know, I want to do this. You have to ask yourself, if there is no one else on this planet, will I still draw? If the answer is yes, then keep going. Keep going down the road, because that's the last part. You have to plan to draw to the end. That means everything I've got, there's nothing left. This is all. It's like everything. That's why I teach. I didn't think I was able to teach, but what made me want to teach is to see that SVA's culture has changed. Now my class is 90% or more girls. That's amazing from just being only me to being all of these girls wanting this. But at the same time you want it, well, then you have to come and get it because look, Marvel, DC, all of these big companies were still hovering that 1% club. You need more women in here. We need more voices. We need more different things in here. We should not be written through a proxy or drawn through proxies. If you want it change, if you really want to see a reflection of yourself, if you want to see that strong black woman, if you want to not sit down and hear in classes like I did that, oh, women who are smart lose their smarts or black women can't do math. These are things I heard growing up. Imagine now, and I was also in ROTC. Let me add this little point, too, that I was in ROTC tracking towards the army and already knowing that is a very difficult thing to have to get into, much as the fields I wanted to get into there. So I was always set up to this. It's a man's world. Well, how are we going to change that if we don't stand up? So I teach because I want women to stand. I want minorities to stand. I want immigrants to stand. I want people who are indigenous to stand. I want us all to stand together. I'm not asking just like, oh, just us alone. It is everyone. So I fight really hard so that someone can pick my sword up when I'm done. Yeah. The underlying thing that I hear in all of the things that uh, we've kind of talked about today and, and all the things I'm sure you will continue to talk about in the future is that you love a good story. Oh, and God, you yeah. love telling a good story. And I think the way that you tell that story has evolved and will continue to evolve. But what makes for you a good story? Well, pacing, that's a major. Whether it's a movie or if it's a book or anything, it's that pacing. For me, it's, is it sparking my interest? Did you catch me? You know, I love horror I love sci-fi. I love sci-fi. I love superheroes. But will I read a superhero novel over reading a sci-fi novel? Probably not. Because we don't tend to put enough into it because it's a comic book. It's just a different way of storytelling. So for me, you have to have beginning, middle, end. So, so basic. So basic. But that's like very difficult. A lot of things don't have a true end or any end in sight. They're not writing with a goal. So it seems like it's floundering and just like circling the airport, never landing. So I need a complete story. I need to feel like I know what's going on and you've told me everything. I want to be exhausted when I'm done reading something and then start over again. Please don't Game of Thrones me and please don't do what Star Wars did to me and intends to do to me. They have my money. But they should have began at the beginning. I mean, I hear you. So we're going to ask you a quick fire. I think Ooh. you have all of these answers already situated in your head. So I'm very excited. Really? I can't. I don't know. I'm, I'm worried. So Let's I believe go. that everyone has a, has a superpower. Uh -huh. I believe that everyone, regardless of who you are, has a superpower. 
What is your superpower? I've got two superpowers. Ooh. No time zone affects me. That's because I don't sleep very often. So that's my superpower. I can land anywhere in the world and it's always the same for me. And I can work and get up. I don't feel overly tired. In fact, when I get tired, I kind of get worried. I'm like, am I having a heart attack? Oh, no, I'm just sleepy. Okay. <laughs> okay, that's superpower number one. <laughs> What's yeah. superpower number two? Well, that's both of them. The oh. No time zone affecting and And you don't sleeping. get sleep. Oh, that's, mm-hmm. that's actually, that's a good partnership. I like it. Except on planes. On an airplane, I will sleep like a rock. I slept through turbulence where yeah. people were hitting their heads on the overhead bin coming in from um, North Carolina. And people were shocked. They were looking like, you slept through that whole thing. I also feel like that is a superpower <laughs> that you failed to mention because I can't even sleep if there is an air pocket. Um, there's an air pocket. I'm up. I say Peter's going to wake me up and tell me I died in a plane crash. That's how hard I sleep. If you could have any superpower, (laughs) what would it be? Speed. I like it. I I see that there is a theme here. Yes. I could work more. You get it? (laughs) I could work harder, longer. Who is your, who, and it doesn't, because we know this evolves. Mm -hmm. Favorite superhero from Marvel. Yeah, but you say, right? You say, Namor. It's always Namor. It's always going to be Namor. <laughs> oh, Namor. Yes, he showed up naked in his first appearance. He had me at hello. <laughs> oh, I wish Ryan Panagas was in this room. Um, he would go He would go ham with you right now on Sexy Namor. Uh, what does your playlist look like right now? What music are you listening to? Mm. I, we have something in common. We both yeah, we both like rock, alternative. Lot, lot heavy metal, all that black metal, all of those. Who am I listening? I went back to some old school stuff recently. I pulled out the old Agony column and wow. things like that. And um, yeah, some Godsmack, things like that. You, you know, going listening old to Godsmack school. while you're while you're drawing of Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur? Why not? How does that work? Because that charges you up. You just feel revved. You feel energized. You could take on the world. Just in my head, suddenly I see Lunella with an electric guitar, like, just <laughs> jumping across the panel right now. Um, and, like, big, black, spiked boots. And I kind of want it. What does storytelling mean to you? Life. Yeah, that was an easy one. It's just, that's just what you do. That's who you are. That's, you know, I feel that society is remembered by their art. When we go see King Tut's, you know, tomb, I saw all that stuff, all these treasures. You were seeing the work of artisans. It frightens me that in this digital age, we're going to walk away from the art and we're going to be forgotten because of it. But thank goodness that we've invested a lot in certain superheroes. So if you draw their symbol in the sand, people know who they are. But we're remembered through our art and our stories. That's awesome. It's so true. That's it. All right, I feel like I don't work hard enough now, and I feel like I need to go create 10 more hours in the day. In all seriousness, it was so amazing to get a chance to sit down with you, Aletha. Thank you so much for coming in and sparing a little time that I know you will probably make up at some point uh, with lack of sleep and putting together uh, the next few pages that you have coming out very soon. Uh, But it's just so incredible to hear your story and just to hear all the love and dedication that goes into the work uh, that you do bringing to life the characters we know and love well that's it for this episode of Marvel's Voices make sure you're checking out our bonus clips that are available on YouTube on Facebook and even on Twitter there will be one coming out from this interview and you will not want to miss it we'll see you next time